Like, my big accomplishment is I feel a little better this month. I mean, I that's a huge accomplishment because you've been feeling <laughs> oh, like shit. I was just using that as an example. It's not oh. true. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, friends. Hello, friends. And welcome back to another episode of Pickles and Vodka, the mental health podcast where imperfect people have imperfect conversations. I'm Christina. And I'm Lauren. And I always hate how I sound when I say that. <laughs> I have to start thinking of something else. How do you think you sound? I don't know. It just, it just sounds like a little cheerleader popping in like, and I'm Lauren. Oh my God. <laughs> it's okay. I feel like a big old imposter every time I do it. <laughs> No, we didn't have a whole episode about that. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm still <laughs> disclaimer. I'm still depressed and unmotivated, and my cat is now scratching at the door. <laughs> my cat is surprisingly not taking this moment to say like, "Oh, you started recording. Let me pull all my jingly toys out and be obnoxious." <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> Right. You're right. <laughs> um, okay, I guess I'm gonna try and be professional and like get through this. So today we are talking about a topic of my choice, and it was really hard for me to pick something. Full disclosure. Yeah, and I mean that's fine. I feel like sometimes sometimes topics just come to me, and sometimes yeah, I struggle with like, is this too broad? Have we done this before? Well, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was l- listening to some old episodes to try to like think about okay what have we done before what do I want to explore more and I was listening to our episode about um, when shit goes awry yeah <laughs> so one of my favorites that it we just... is and honestly <laughs> listening to that episode was really encouraging to me because if you're new and you haven't heard um that was the episode that we tried to record our first guest as co-hosts <laughs> and we had a lot of technical difficulties and the guest wasn't able to make it and we just basically made an episode about what happens when we don't have any plans and it ended up being a really good episode Mm-hmm. And so now I'm like, okay, I, I feel like my thoughts aren't all here, but I feel like I have a lot of things on my mind that I want to talk about. And I feel like it's going to go well because it's us and we can just shoot the shit. Yeah, it's funny. I actually like if I'm feeling really unprepared, I tend to hold that one in the back of my mind as an example of just like, well, if there's literally nothing that I have planned, then we have been able to wing it. <laughs> there's proof. Yeah. And of course, like, Sometimes I also feel like talking about our process is boring. I feel like people get really tired of hearing us talk about how hard it is to make a mental health podcast (laughs) when we're depressed and anxious. But honestly, I feel so insecure about it. Like I've been doing this for over four years. You've been a co-host for a good chunk of time now. Yeah. And it's still, it doesn't feel like a job. It, It almost feels like, a gargantuan task sometimes that I'm not ready for. Like, it feels like therapy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, like, you don't always want to go to therapy. Right. But if it's not there, because that was one thing I noticed this week, you know, since I am so busy, I do have, um, my dad is probably going to be here within, I don't know, like three or four hours. And of course, you know, he's just planning it all on his own, regardless of what would be convenient for me. Like I got the message from him yesterday that was like, I think that I'm just going to come straight to your place first. I'm like, great. (laughs) I didn't need any preparation. Thank you. (laughs) What are y'all going to do? Tell me, tell me what the plan is. I have no idea. I have no idea. (laughs) So he's coming into town for this event, right? Yeah. And that's tomorrow night. Okay. Are you excited about it at least? Uh... Maybe excited is the wrong word. Yeah. I mean, it's something to do. It's somewhere to go. And and yeah, it's it's nice. I have um two of my friends are going to go cuz my dad gets this whole like VIP table for this dinner event and didn't, you know, like have all the seats filled. So, he said if you have anyone that wants to come. So, it's very nice that I have two of my friends here coming because, you know, that that will be some some buffer <laughs> between me oh, and my totally. family. I love bringing my friends to meet my parents because it's very, it's entertaining because, you know, my parents are goofballs, (laughs) spoken as a goofball. (laughs) It's genetic. We're just a weird family and it's fun seeing our friends like notice that. It's also very validating that moment that my friends realize like, oh, this is why you are the way you are. So much makes sense now. (laughs) 
And it's particularly funny for this because I, I think I've alluded once or twice, my dad, you know, is very, very strong Republican, Fox News, loves Trump, all that kind of stuff. And my one friend who is coming is probably my most outspoken, you know, like really political, liberal, liberal, feminist, <laughs> pro-abortion, all this stuff. <laughs> and, and, you know, like she's heard about my dad. So, you know, like she was she was happy to come. But I mean, you know, she was like mostly joking. I, it'd be kind of funny if she wasn't, you know, the first thing that she said in response. And she's like, so I should probably talk politics with your dad that night, right? And I was like, <laughs> Yes, please. We'll have a second show. Oh my god, I'm just sitting here with a huge grin on my face. Like, uh, this reminds me of um, I was dating someone. The the person that I was dating when I started the podcast. Actually, we were living in DC together, and it wasn't the strongest relationship, but we got mm-hmm. along. And we had very similar political views. And so I remember one time I took him to this brewery because I was drinking at the time. I went to this brewery with him and my dad and they started getting into this argument over politics. And I was like, am I turned on right now? <laughs> like, <laughs> when my, I didn't realize that was something that turned me on is like my significant other fighting with my dad over politics. <laughs> That's, you know... Because I hate that so much with my with my parents, like and me. I mean, I've tried to lay down the law, and sometimes they suck me into it, and I have to catch myself that I've said for years I refuse to discuss anything political with them. Like, let's yeah. just know that we disagree. But yeah, I could see kind of enjoying that if I had like a, a partner that was just like, well, I'm going to take that for you and say like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a partner, a friend, whatever. It, yeah, exactly. I feel like you're going to have fun with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do have a question though, because. Mm-hmm. you're about to go to treatment and you know your mental health issues are taking up a big part of your life right now your parents don't know about this that's right and I'm wondering are you a little distracted right now slash nervous oh, yeah oh yeah I mean talk about that <laughs> well you know one of the friends that oh, I don't know her political views the the, the less outspoken <laughs> political disagreeing one for my dad is you know friend of the podcast Vicky Vicky I was wondering if one of them was her. Yeah, but that would be good. Um, I felt like to have her too, because I do know, you know, like she actually does know. Yeah. The 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 other unnamed friend, she also doesn't know anything because I don't prefer to tell all my friends either if I don't have to, yeah. just because I have in the past. And I don't know, you start to feel like they're all, whether they are or not, you start to feel like they're all kind of looking at you just like, oh, she's got her problems again. Well, it's funny you say that because one of the topics that I was going to pick and that I didn't, but we should talk about in the future is identity. And like, you're you're absolutely right. When you do make your mental health issues open and you talk about it a lot, people do look at you differently. And I think it's interesting that we are kind of opposites in that regard. Like I have been open about this stuff for four years plus, and I talk about it all the time. But People do look at me differently, and I have lost friends over it, and I don't know, you're like the opposite, where you don't necessarily talk about it, and I just, I don't know, there's pros and cons to each, and I think it's interesting that we both come from those different points of view. Like, once or twice, you know, I felt like I got some sort of strength from actually saying, like, all right, I'm going to be, you know, like, totally open about this with everybody, so just... At that point, so people might know that, like, oh, I've known you for 20 years and didn't know, like, you were always struggling with this. You know, like, that was nice to disclose and let people in. But, like I said, I feel, to me, it just feels like when it's over and over, that's what it just, I don't feel like being looked at like that girl. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, you've been struggling with this for so long. Why aren't you better yet? I mean... Because that kind (sighs) of is everyone's, sadly, that is a lot of people's view that aren't in, in the thick of it or whatever. It's my you know, own they, view they... towards myself. <laughs> yeah. Why aren't you better? That's mine too. But that's the thing. How, mu- how much of this comes from our own perceptions? Like, I don't know. I always think people will react neg- negatively to it, but most of the time they haven't. And most of the time they actually had an idea something was going on. Oh, see, I don't think that many people act negatively. Ex- I mean debatable if I'd call it negative or not from my family, which is why they're main people. Well, yeah. I mean, we've, you've shared stories before about why you choose not to 
but I do feel like everybody that is not specifically like dealing with this kind of stuff and don't know that that is their view. If you say like, oh, you know, like I have to go to residential treatment for this thing that, you know, has been a part of my life. And they see it as like, oh, okay, that's what's going to fix you. Well, we hope it'll fix it. Right, but but usually it's not that easy, and people don't get that because they think, like, that's your solution. You're going to go off, and you're going to come back fixed, and you're going to be fine. And it's like, it's not quite that simple of a path. <laughs> it, it really isn't. And I think, I mean, when you're younger especially, you do hope that it's like a temporary thing like it's a phase you hope it's a phase and everyone around you hopes it's a phase and then as you get older and it becomes obvious that this is something you're probably going to struggle with the rest of your life like Mm -hmm. people don't always react well to that I mean it's hard enough for us to accept it like think of our loved ones like they don't want to think about you struggling like that for the rest of your life like a lot most of the time they're just trying to help and I guess it's it's maybe people that don't have um, as much, like, personal experience with that kind of thing. Because I can even think, as we were talking, like, oh, yeah, even when I was young and wouldn't have as much experience, um, then I remember being, you know, maybe, like, 10 or 12. And my view on someone going to, to rehab for, like, drugs or alcohol is that... You know, you struggle with this until you go off and then they fix you. And in the very rare case, then, you know, you might relapse at some point, but usually that's it and you're fixed and then you just are done. And that was really like how I saw it at 10 or 12. (laughs) And now I know like that's not even close. Yeah. I mean, I'm at the point now where it's the opposite. I feel like when someone does go to treatment, I hope that they get better. But secretly, I'm just like expecting the worst because that's how it's been for me. Yes. Uh-huh. And that's a well, shitty way of looking at the world. But unfortunately, I think if you look at it, I mean, not saying that most people never get better, but usually it's not the first time. Well, it's a spectrum. Like mental health is a spectrum. And just like physical health problems... A lot of people have mental health problems. They, it's part of their life. They make it work or they don't. But you can't just narrow it down to like one solution for everyone. Yeah. And, and I mean, in the case of me, you know, like going into eating disorder treatment, then um, I kind of like was down on myself after like immediately going back after the first time until I kind of realized like, you know, I dealt with this for like 20 plus years before I went into treatment. Did I really just think that four months was just going to magically erase all of that and fix it? (laughs) Well, I mean, if you did, I wouldn't blame you. (laughs) It was like, I worked on it. It got better. But yeah, it wasn't immediately just like 22 years and four months fixes it all. You're done. Yeah. (laughs) I've kind of been in the same mindset this week, like just feeling the weight of my mental illness and just really feeling like this is never going to end, which is what Mm -hmm. depression does. It makes you think that it's never going to end, but also in like, you got to be realistic. Like there is a high possibility that this is just never going to end and that you're going to have to find a way to live your life in a way that helps you survive. You know, for a lot of people, I'd say it never does end. It does get better. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it it can. And in some cases, it does get better. And it's hard to see that. Yeah, I feel like that's the middle, like either end of the spectrum is either you just it's it's all gone and you do not feel this anymore, or you never feel better. Unfortunately, those yeah. are the two extremes. But most people I think are in the middle. <laughs> yeah, and that's okay to be in the middle. You know, we mm-hmm. need we should celebrate that. Like, we're alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, my big accomplishment is I feel a little better this month. I mean, I that's a huge accomplishment because you've been feeling <laughs> oh, like shit. I was just using that as an example. It's not oh. true. <laughs> I'm still about the same. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you feel better? That's amazing. <laughs> I woke up this morning feeling like absolute shit. Mornings are the absolute worst for me. I don't know about mm-hmm. you. Like, I just hate mornings. I hate... Waking up and feeling like the pit of anxiety start to grow in my stomach and knowing that it's going to last all through the day, like the sun through the windows, Mm -hmm. knowing I have to get up and deal with the world. And it's just like debilitating. Yeah. But 
I will say I'm feeling pretty good in this moment. I I got up and I took a little walk and I drank a smoothie because I I didn't feel like eating, but I knew Mm -hmm. I needed to before I did this. And so, you know, I I parented myself and I had a smoothie (laughs) and I went on a walk and like, yeah, I, I feel I feel good now. Like, I feel like I'm in a spot where I can talk about this stuff. <laughs> I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was like, maybe I should have tried something like that. But then I remembered, um, we are having like, just some really, really like cold snap days. And I just took Pico and I was like, oh, yeah, remember, you know, there was like super strong winds that had like a zero degree wind chill. Oh, yeah, that's why you didn't take a walk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, by the way, when this episode comes out, it'll be the first day of spring. Oh, happy spring. Happy spring, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so a few weeks ago, we talked about what helps when nothing helps. And I, I almost wanted to do this topic on support systems. Like mm-hmm. I was talking to Brett, like, I don't know what to do for the topic. I'm freaking out. I feel like everything <laughs> is stupid. And I don't know what I'm talking about. He was like, why don't you just talk about something you're going through? And like this week... I've been feeling really lonely, like just so lonely and feeling like I don't have a support system. And he was like, why don't you talk about that? Like how to build a support Mm -hmm. system. And so I was like, okay. But as I was doing the research, I felt like it was very similar to those episodes we did. And most of our listeners, it's stuff that they already know about. Yeah, but we have different takes. We, well, we do have different takes and, you know, we'll talk about support systems more. But at the end of the day, I was just like, I am so uncertain about everything. Like, I'm uncertain about this podcast. I'm uncertain about, like, what I'm supposed to be focusing on right now. I'm uncertain about what I need. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And it's really scary. And so I know on that episode, I, we talked about uncertainty a little bit. And I wanted to just really have more of a deep dive discussion into it today. I mean, if anyone's feeling uncertain right now, it's this girl. <laughs> I'm so uncertain all the time. Okay, okay, I, I know what I'm going to do now. So I have a journal entry to read. Okay. So speaking of treatment, you're about to go to treatment. I went to treatment two years ago, almost to the day. And okay. so I was thinking about like what you're going through and I was going through my old journal entries from when I went to treatment to try to come up with maybe something we could talk about. And I found this entry from March 24th, 2021, and it's all about uncertainty. Okay. <laughs> um, and so I'm just going to read it. So by this point, I had graduated from residential and I had just gotten to PHP And when I went to residential, I was obviously feeling really uncertain, but my most pressing concern was just to like get myself there because I knew like that was the only thing that that mattered. Exactly. (laughs) And so like, and you know, residential is very intense and you're constantly Mm -hmm. like working. PHP is also intense, but like you at least get a break to go home. So I found myself struggling even worse in PHP and feeling like even more like this is pointless. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I just went through all this these weeks in residential and I'm still feeling like nothing's helping. Side note, I know a lot of um, like the therapists and stuff that I had when I've been in treatment in the past, they have all agreed that they said like PHP is the hardest. PHP is where the real work gets done. Yeah. So yeah. (laughs) So this entry is from my second day of PHP. Little backstory. Okay. Okay. I'm about to go through a door, and I don't really know what's on the other side. I've heard stories, of course. People who have been there before. People who built the door in the first place. Brave adventurers whose shoes I can only hope to fill. They tell me I'm ready. I mean, I know I have the tools to face whatever lies beyond, but I'm still scared. The place I'm leaving has transformed from alien to comforting, and I'm talking about residential, as the place I'm leaving. It's transformed from alien to comforting in a way that makes my heart feel a pang of early onset nostalgia, of gratitude. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what to feel. My mind has undergone radical evolutions. The person I was before is a fuzzy image in the past. I can turn the dial and get a sharper image if I want, but I'm not sure I do. I stand in the doorframe and hesitate. Will I be alone on the other side? How long will I last before the strange new environment gets me? I stand up straighter and will myself to find the courage. And then on the opposite page, I made a collage. 
And mm-hmm. it is just of this big door, it, it, a picture of oh, a door. Okay. I'll post it to the Instagram. But like, so much uncertainty. And I thought about you when I read this, because I feel like you're kind of in a similar spot, even though you have done this way more than I have, like, you know, a little bit more of what to expect. But that doesn't mean it's not scary. Yeah, I mean, I've been before I've been to the place I'm going before that was a while ago and you know a lot of things have possibly changed since then but I've never had to leave this particular job I don't know how they're gonna respond yeah (laughs) I mean job aside too like every time you go to treatment it is different and you don't know I mean at the end of the day you don't know if it's gonna work but also what does that mean like how do you know if it's worked Exactly. With me very, very resistant for a long time and not wanting to, um, that has been one of my big arguments with my dietitian who has been pushing it. And I flat out know that obviously she can't do this, but, you know, I've always said to her, I was just like, you know, I would be perfectly willing at this point if I could get, you know, like a guarantee from you that this would be the last time and this, this would do it for you. Which, of course, you can never get. Yeah. So So you're left with all this uncertainty. And I guess I wanted to ask you, like, what you feel most uncertain about right now and, like, how you've faced those, like, uncertainties in the past. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about moving to Virginia. Like, after I got out of treatment and after I did all that, I moved across the country to... Mm -hmm. I don't know what, like, I I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know if it would be good. I had a feeling it would be the right decision. Like we've talked before about gut feelings. Like I had, Mm -hmm. I had this little gut feeling that I was supposed to make this big change and that's what led me to treatment. And that's what led me to move. And even though like almost three years later, I still feel like I didn't make the right decision sometimes. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the feeling that I want to address in this episode is like, what do you do when you are constantly having to navigate life, making decisions, but every decision you just feel like is the wrong decision? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) right now, I feel like this past week, I just got really struck by the idea that if I really wanted to just kind of like kickstart all of this on my own, and I didn't really need to go through this treatment thing. And I thought (laughs) I got in my head the idea that it was like, for literally half of what I am going to pay to go here. And mind you, you know, my main payment is just going to be my out-of-pocket insurance. Obviously, it's not paying the cost of treatment. Right, but it's still still significant. still, yeah, I was just like, I could just take half of that cost and I could take a week off and go on the most kick-ass vacation for that amount of money. I was like, yeah. Pico and I could go to Mexico and I could just like chill out and just say like, I'm going to indulge myself in whatever I want and just use that and be like, yeah, let's just kickstart off some like, let's start being healthy and I'm going to start on my own. And I was like, I could do that and I could enjoy it and it would cost less and I wouldn't have to leave work for months. So I was like, why don't I just do that? And I was like researching resorts and things like that. But the thing is, like, you said at the top of the last episode, if you could have done that, you probably would have. Exactly. And I, and obviously, you know, like, in the back of my mind, I still knew that was the case. I just let myself, like, indulge in this fantasy for, like, three days this week. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And the thing about those kind of alternate solutions is that there is something romantic about them because even though they're fantasies, it's a plan that's certain, like you can go, you can buy a plane ticket, you can book a hotel, you know what you're going to do. Whereas treatment, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. When I think of that, I still don't know, you know, like, especially because I am, I'm, I'm really nervous about leaving work for so long and I'm just kind of like, well, you know, maybe I will feel okay enough after like three or four weeks in residential and be like, I'm ready to move on and <laughs> yeah but you can't think of you can't think of that far ahead though like that's just putting yeah. too much pressure on yourself that's the thing is that i'm like i have to think like well and maybe they'll be like hey nope and it'll be more like 10 weeks there and i'll be like oh my god that's a big chunk of time to be away but you just you don't know and that is yeah there, there's that uncertainty it's just like i don't know what my 
next several months of future are going to be. <laughs> yeah. I In my journal entry, I used the word nostalgia to describe some of the feelings I was feeling about leaving residential. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because when I went to residential, I was obviously feeling really uncertain and scared and all this stuff. And it was only after I left that I was able to look back at it fondly and think like, oh, I I missed this time in my life. And it's because it was no longer a mystery to me. Like I had gone through it. I knew what to expect. And so I think it's interesting. Like, have you ever felt that nostalgia for the past? Like, even though it sucked? Yes. Like the future is so uncertain. At least the past is concrete. And that's a big thing that I feel like I kind of like struggled with in my head too is... Yeah, the the first time I went, I was just flat out terrified, (laughs) of course. (laughs) But also the first time I went was one of, I don't know if it was just because it was new and I was really, you know, just like willing to give up everything um, or what. But at the end, it was like, like you said, and I really felt actually like I had stronger connections and I was involved and I belonged more than I had, you know, in several years in anything in my life. So yeah, I did sometimes miss that. And then when I, times when I'd have to go back, then I would start to judge myself about that and be like, do you just actually kind of want to? Because, you know, once you get there and get involved in the community, you kind of like it. But the thing is, we do like it to an extent. Like, at least for me, I do like being in treatment. I like being separated from the world, surrounded by fucked up people like myself that I can talk to about this stuff mm-hmm. unhinged. You know, it, it is kind of a fucked up vacation. I don't know. And when you're, that's the thing, like when you're young, you have your whole life in front of you and you do have like expectations. And like, yeah. I I feel like at this age, I should be more certain of things, but I have never felt less certain in my life. (laughs) Uh And I think it's because like, um, I've been finding so much comfort in Reddit this week. Mm -hmm. Um, I found this amazing subreddit called Women Over 30. Nice. (laughs) Shout out. Um, It's just been really comforting to me to go through posts and like see that I'm not so alone and that there's people that have gone through this stuff and that are still going through it that are older. (laughs) And a lot of things that people say are that people who have established like really fixed goals for themselves early in life. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to graduate college at this age, I'm going to get married, I want to have this job, I want to go travel here and there and all this stuff. Those are the people that struggle the most with uncertainty and like depression and anxiety later because you realize like, oh, I can't plan out how my life is going to go. Yeah. Uh, this is all over the place also. I'm sorry. I'm going to be talking a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> but I made a voicemail. I'm not going to play, but... Um, I'm going to try to summarize the gist of it. So I was stoned and I was sitting in my bathrobe in my bedroom thinking about what if I got cancer and died? (laughs) I feel like I've had this premonition that I'm going to die of cancer because like I have it on both sides of the family and I treat my body like shit. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking I was walking myself through the scenario in which I died of terminal cancer. And in this scenario, I had recovered from my eating disorder and addiction and I was you know doing well and you know inspiring people with my story and then at the end of all of it I still get cancer and die even now, talking about this I feel kind of like stupid but we all do it like we all think about this stuff of course and I was thinking what would I say to people after going through all that and then just dying of something like that and I was thinking like I wish that I had realized sooner that I can't control anything. Like, I've struggled with anxiety my whole life. And at the end of the day, like, being anxious and scared that something bad is going to happen is not going to protect you from something bad happening. And that's really scary. It's so weird. I I don't know if you would have um, read this. You keep making me think of this one book. Um, Tell me. Have you heard the author uh, Jodi Picoult? She's pretty popular. Yeah. Actually, the first time I went to treatment at 17, someone got a Jodi Picoult book taken away from them because they talked about like suicide or something in it. She has this book that was one of her more popular ones um, called Her, her Sister's Keeper or My Sister's Keeper. Or I've heard like of that. it. I've never read it. Yeah. So I, I did read the book. And then um, years later, they made the move, a movie of it. 
And I saw the movie. It was it was straight up awful. Uh, <laughs> Is that a future movie review? <laughs> no, it's not worth watching. It's okay. like worse than a Hallmark movie. All right, you heard uh, that here first, folks. <laughs> Don't watch that movie. <laughs> but but here's the main reason is because they they changed it. Like the the focus of the book is the idea is. Um, this family has a girl, yeah, with like treatment resistant cancer, and um, they kind of have her sister basically as somebody to be a donor for her. So the sister has kind of come into the family to be the donor that they need for things to save her sister's cancer. And, you know, so this younger sister has been put through all of this stuff, even though she's perfectly healthy. And the story of the book is pretty much, you know, like the sister doesn't want it anymore. So she actually like hires a lawyer against her family to, you know, be like, stop using me for this stuff. I'm, you know, you're, you can't be in charge of my medical care anymore because of this. Shit. Yeah. And so the thing is, at the end of the book, then everybody has understood where she's coming from. You know, she still loves her sister and her family, but she's not going to be part of this anymore. And she, her, her lawyer, you know, she's gotten to be like pretty close with him. And they actually, I think they appoint him as in charge of her medical care, even though her family's in charge of her care and everything. And so at the end, because I think she's in the car with him is why she's not with her family. Is this the girl that needs the the transplant or is this the one that... No, this... Yeah, this is the younger sister. Okay, okay. Yeah, and you know, like, so she's won her case, and everyone's, everyone's, you know, like, they're, they're all content, and um, they've all understood, and she's in the, in the car, I think, with the lawyer, and they're in a bad car accident, and the younger sister ends up dying. Oh, fuck. At the end. And in the movie, then they tell, like, the similar story of the entire book, but at the end, it's just like, and then the sister with cancer died. And... I realized I was like, you you completely wiped out the entire message, which the movie was just like, here's a sad story about a girl with cancer and she dies. The book is like, we worked so hard to save this child that was, you know, like compromised and struggling and everything. And we did everything that we could to save her. And in the end, you realize that life can take anybody. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> you can do everything. You, you can be the healthiest person and then life can take you in an instant. And then on the other side of that, exactly. you can you can be like us, just like struggling and just somehow survive for decades. Well, yeah. I mean, that's part of my... I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll get to work on it some more. Hooray. That's part of... <laughs> that's, that's part of one of my big issues is that I've never had any like major issues. I've never had any detriment to my health because of things I've done. So, you know, I start to feel almost like I'm superhuman, that it's just like, you know what? I'm allowed to fuck with myself because I am impervious to all of it. Well, that's so ironic because you say you've never had anything bad happen to you because of stuff you've done, but like you're sick with an eating disorder, you're about to go to treatment and you don't want to, but it's a necessity because you have gone through so much shit and done so much to yourself. I mean, it's not all you, you know, it's a disorder, but you know what I mean? It's just ironic. That's the thing that like fights in my head is because so many other people will have the stories of just like, oh my gosh, you know, like I've ruined this in my life forever because of engaging in these eating disorder behaviors. And, you know, now my heart doesn't work or something like that. And this I have to deal with for the rest of my life. And I'm always just like, yeah, I go and have labs and I'm fine. Yeah. You know, I feel like shit until I go in. But you know what? As soon as I stop, it's reversed. I'm good. <laughs> And that's the thing about uncertainty is that in order to create like a semblance of certainty in our lives, we do all these things to ourselves that are not good, but like it's predictable. I mean, anyone who has struggled with an eating disorder or addiction or whatever, there's a common thread of like you do it because you know what to expect. And it's like the Mm -hmm. one thing you can control Which brings me to my next point, which is like, if nothing in life is certain, what can we control? You know, like what, if anything, is certain in our lives? It's an open-ended question. There's no answer. No, that is a hard one. Like, if you're thinking about it like that, it's like, can you control anything? Well, obviously, you you can (laughs) control yourself to an extent. Like, you can control 
what is it they say in therapy? Like, you can't control other people. You can't control the world. You can control... Yeah, I'm trying to think. Your actions. Like, Like, you can't really control your feelings or your emotions, but you can control, like, what you do with them to an extent. I I say this all with a grain of salt. (laughs) But, you know, that's easier said than done. One thing that helps me is, like, routines. And this is not a hot take at all. We've talked about this before, I'm sure. But like having a routine, like this morning, I didn't feel like doing anything. I got up and I forced myself to have a smoothie and go on a walk. And suddenly like I felt better and I felt like I had more power to like deal with the uncertainty in life. You know, like little (laughs) things you can do to equip yourself. I mean, I've talked before about how one of the big motivations for staying sober for me is that... It puts me in a place where I feel like I can be there for people, including myself. Even though shit is going to happen, I know at least if I'm sober, I'm clear-headed enough to like deal with what comes. Yeah. Do you have anything to add about, I don't know, things that help you? Um... I, I hate springing these questions on you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you got to start giving me a list beforehand. <laughs> Jot down your answers to all these things. <laughs> I know. I, I literally, my notes are just like a bunch of questions that I don't have any answers for. <laughs> well, that, that feels like my life in general. A bunch of questions I don't have any answers for. <laughs> well, okay. How about this? One thing that also came up on Reddit is the concept of trust. Trusting that you can get through things, but also trusting that life will go on in spite of fucking terrible circumstances. And when I say trust, it's not Mm -hmm. always a positive thing. Like, it's more like a baseline. I trust that the world will keep spinning after I have a depressive episode. And that trust doesn't really bring me comfort. That's what I was thinking when you first said, like, trust that life will go on. I was like, that kind of frightens me actually it does frighten like, it, it is frightening what, what am I gonna miss is the first thing I felt like what do you mean what what are you gonna miss like I feel like out of commission in life right now so it's just kind of like oh yeah if everything in life keeps going then when I feel ready to take part in it again then what have I missed I mean yeah but personally I can't think that way because then my anxiety gets even worse and I fall into that cycle of like FOMO, <laughs> where I'm yeah. so afraid of missing everything that I don't do anything. Yeah, and but then I, I say also on the other side of that is I f- I think of that in terms of like in the future, then I see myself able to get back in and be part of it. Where if I just concern myself with yeah, like missing, then it's like well, then I'm just going to keep missing everything and we'll never get to rejoin. So yeah, I I don't really have anything helpful to say right now. Um. I do have like another journal entry. It's like a little poem I wrote that has to do with the previous one. So I was talking about this door representing like recovery, I guess. And I was afraid to step through it because it's all uncertain. And so um, I wrote this and I wanted to share it because I don't know. I just want to share it. So I stepped toward the door holding my fear close to my heart. There's trust in my pocket. It's been there. I don't know how long. I think I have enough to get me through the uncertain new space where fear is not allowed. Slowly, I let it go. The weight lifting from my sternum, new things are hard. And I can't quite find the words to continue, but somehow I know I'll be okay. There's trust in my pocket. I slip my fingers in and I feel the warmth spread as I step through the door. Just me and me alone. It will be okay. Um, And so I, I think the part that really got my attention was just me and me alone. Because, like, we've talked about getting hurt by other people and by institutions and stuff, and the world is just such an uncertain place. At the end of the day, you are all you have that is Mm -hmm. within your control, you know, to some extent. And, like, it's hard to trust yourself. Like, I write about trust, and I'm, I'm talking about, like, Trusting myself, sure, but also just trusting the process and trusting that all if if I just put in my little bit of effort, then the rest will unfold. Like the cards will fall where they may, but I've done my part. And that was comforting. What do you what do you think about that? To me, and I mean, don't take this as a negative because I see it as a positive in the end. Okay. Is like the the feeling that I got for some reason when you were reading that is that you were saying it, but you didn't really believe it. Oh, damn, you've caught me. 
(laughs) (laughs) But I think that's okay because that makes me think of, you know, and that's something that I have learned to try and do myself is sometimes I can recognize the same thing. Like I'm saying this and, you know, I don't really buy it, but sometimes you do have to just like keep saying it until you do. Yeah. Like you, you have to know, like, I don't really believe this right now, but let's just pretend like I do. And eventually maybe I will catch up and will. You hit the nail on the head, honestly. Like you just, just trusting that it will hit you eventually. Like maybe I don't believe it right now, but you know, if I keep putting in the work and I keep doing the quote unquote right things that something will happen. It's like (laughs) you can paint yourself this little picture that's like, when I get there, then I think this is what it's going to be like. (laughs) Yeah. But like the first step to freeing yourself of anxiety from uncertainty, I think, is realizing that like you don't know what it's going to look like and you need to rid yourself of expectations of what it's going to be like because you're always going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. You know that I try to end episodes in a helpful way and I often (laughs) fail miserably. Uh (laughs) Um, I was writing I was writing down like what helps when things are uncertain one of them is routines like I talked about. Another is just accepting that life is random and then we die. Oh, absolutely. There is so much freedom in just accepting that everything is uncertain and we don't know what's going on. No one knows what's going on. Yeah, everyone's in the same boat. Yeah. And, And then at the end, we die. And it's like I was telling with the cancer story, like all of this anxiety and caution will have been pointless, you know. Everyone dies at the end and like anxiety is not going to help you. Yeah, but it, it won't be pointless. Or otherwise, why would we do it? <laughs> well, exactly. Why do we do it? Which brings me to the final thing that helps, which is honestly the only thing that helps right now is realizing that others feel the same way and that no one has a clue. Yeah, that, that's what I was thinking is that we are uncertain and it can be frightening, but literally every single person on this earth is in the same position to some degree. Yeah, I was talking about reading through that subreddit of like women who are a little older than me and it's like, oh, no one knows what they're doing. You know, this is a universal problem. And especially with people like us who are neurodivergent, it's like everything is uncertain. Like even the little things like what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Like sometimes that can feel like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I can't deal with the uncertainty of what I'm going to eat for dinner tonight, how am I going to deal with the uncertainty of like, my mental health, you know, am I going to be happy yeah. in a year? Like I was, I was listening, like I said, to that episode of ours from a year ago, and a lot of things haven't changed. I'm still feeling anxious and uncertain but at least I'm, I feel like I'm a little more self-aware. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you've been dealing with this stuff for years. Is there anything that, ha- that you've realized helps or doesn't help you? I mean, I don't know. I'm, like, if you say, like, have you felt things change or look at things differently? I say yes. But I'm just kind of like, I don't know if things, what, helps? Help, that's what? A, help is probably the wrong word. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm just trying to, like, start a conversation that's all I ever do. That's, I was just going to say, that's, that's, that's everything that we do. <laughs> we just try and start conversations. But yeah, I'm feeling really uncertain right now. Talking about it helps. Yeah, but I'm still, I mean, yeah, obviously there's a lot on my mind where I'm uncertain. And yeah, if I just let myself sit there and think about it, then you can go insane. Because sometimes you can't do anything, you can't do anything in the interim. Like if, if I'm going to go to treatment in a couple of weeks, I can't find like research and find a printout of like, oh, this is how the first couple of weeks there are going to go. This is what it's going to be like. <laughs> I no, tried I don't know that. until it happens. <laughs> I, I have to. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, you don't know until you try. And honestly, One thing that people also recommended on Reddit, which I hate this because it's true, is like one of the best things you can do to combat uncertainty is get out of your comfort zone and try new things and like rid them of that mystery. That's probably true. That's probably why you said that. My whole body went like, ugh. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's why, that's honestly why I didn't 
choose the topic to be support systems because I wanted to talk about like how do you start a support system from scratch and I was like I can't make this episode because I don't have friends and I need to go out and try to make friends to make this episode and I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, no, I was glad that you didn't do that either because uh, if you it had made the if you <laughs> there has to be at some point in every episode where my words just kind of all come out at once and I just bleh. <laughs> I mean you heard me at the beginning of this episode I could barely talk I still can barely talk. <laughs> but yeah, I was glad that you didn't make it on support systems because that was my first thought as I was just like, well, my only contribution would be like, eh, I don't really have any. Exactly. Cool. Let's go. So we are very uncertain. We've been talking about ourselves for a while. And I think in situations like this, it's very important, like not just to get out of our comfort zones and try new things, but like get the feedback of other people. And remind ourselves that we're not the only people to struggle with this and, like, our problems aren't the only problems that matter. We're not the only ones just, like, flailing around here while everybody watches and points and laughs. Exactly. (laughs) Everyone else is flailing around in their own world, too. (laughs) And so this is a good point to say what we're going to be talking about next week. Yeah, so it, it will be a poll episode. We'll get the exact poll out to you later. But basically, for a while... Christina and I have been starting off most episodes by saying where you at. Sometimes it's how you at, depending on how we feel like saying it. The terminology is fluid. Yeah. And and just kind of, you know, get, giving a, an update on things that we've been dealing with in the past week, maybe struggling with that we want to just kind of run by each other up top. And we thought giving the rest of you guys an option for that would, would be kind of cool. And, and, you know, like we have a few different things like between Christina and I that, that we deal with mental health related, but we do have our kind of like core issues. So sometimes it does feel like us talking, I think, is just sort of the same sort of topics. So, you know, if someone is struggling with something totally different, then I'd want to hear about it, um, you know, and give our give our thoughts and uh, <laughs> just give our thoughts for, for some reason when I said that I was really tempted to finish off our thoughts and prayers even though I couldn't mean that yeah so tell us how you're doing and we'll send thoughts and prayers how, how are you feeling thoughts and prayers do you <laughs> we won't actually do that but this is all over the also, place I love it I know but but I, I was thinking you know as well like something that we haven't talked about that that maybe you know someone listening is just thinking like, wow, I'd love to hear their take on like this particular issue. So if it's something that you've just been bouncing around in your head or something you've been dealing with the past couple days and you just kind of want to hear like, what what's your take on that, guys? Yeah. So <laughs> what what's the word you used? Open forum? Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, just want to hear from you. And I was figuring, you know, like with every like response or voicemail or whatever, we'll just give like five, 10 minutes of discussion. And just if you want to know something specific, we'll talk about it. If you know, you just wanted to unload, we'll respond. Yeah, we want to take the focus off us for a while. It's your turn. Yeah, do the hard work. (laughs) So we're going to be releasing a poll. And the question is just, how are you doing? Or like, Mm -hmm. we haven't worded it exactly. But like, tell us where you're at mentally. It could be a sentence. It could be a paragraph. It could be a voicemail. We love getting voicemails. Mm -hmm. And we just want to start a conversation and like have a check in with y'all. Because I mean, sure, the point of this podcast is to talk about our shit. But also it's to connect with y'all. And sometimes we get so focused on our own problems that we don't always do a good job of that. And so yeah, we just want to check in. And it'll be fun. Is that the wrong word? No, that's perfect. So I was thinking, and I've liked the connections with the audience and the listeners that we've had so far. That's one of the best parts, I think, for me. So I'm just looking forward to building more. Yeah, we've had some really good responses to our last episode where we reviewed Inside Out. Oh, I haven't seen. Good. (laughs) Two people reached out and they were like, I'm glad you talked about misophonia because I never hear about it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forgot (laughs) to tell you. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) And that was like a throwaway moment where you talked about that. Yeah. (laughs) But obviously some people heard and they could relate. So like, yeah, if you have anything like that, maybe we mentioned it once, maybe we didn't and you want us to, Mm -hmm. just tell us. This is your chance to take control of the podcast because we can. Yes. (laughs) Control us. We are your puppets. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> the only thing, if you do want to end on a more uh, lighthearted <laughs> sort of thing, the the last thing I was thinking when we were talking about how, you know, like 
oh, you never know, like, what your future is, and everyone's in the same boat, you know, like, everyone's gonna, gonna die eventually. I was thinking of um, this restaurant where I was a bartender. For some reason, I don't remember the exact wording, but one of the guys I worked with, I remember that's what he was saying for a while. So he's like, I have been conducting a lifelong experiment that I believe I am going to live forever. And so far, I have no evidence against that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I know. It's basically like every day I wake up and I'm alive. It just further strengthens my argument. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to live forever. I don't know about you. Yeah. Until I die. Pico's going to live forever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope my cats outlive me. That sounds morbid. I, I had a therapist, I don't know, maybe like five or six years ago. They they had some initial paperwork to fill out before you met with them. And it was like some things you'd expect. But I remember one of them was like, if you could have any wish in the entire world, what would it be? And for some reason, like in that instant, it came to me and I said, I wish that my dog and I would die on the same day. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, I don't care how, I don't care if that means I have to die early. I don't care if that means he lives till he's 45. No, I've had similar thoughts and I've never articulated <laughs> them until now because people don't like to hear about that. I don't know why. People just get kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But our pets are never going to die. But but yeah, it's not like terrible and morbid to think about. It just means that we're going to have 50-year-old pets. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, speaking of uncertainty. Oh, <laughs> I, I can feel myself starting to spiral now, so we need to stop this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, um, answer the pickle poll. Lauren, I hope you have an, a, not amazing, I almost said I hope you have an amazing time with your dad. I hope that you have a chill time with your dad and that you're able to have some fun with your friends. Thank you. I don't know if I've mentioned this yet in the upcoming, but this is also, I'm going to meet his girlfriend for the first time. <gasps> Stop. What? <laughs> yeah. How long have they been together? I don't know because, you know, he, he never volunteers this sort of information. I mean, I know it's, it's been a little bit because I went back and I visited in the summer and he was already seeing her then, but I guess her and her sister were on a cruise, so I didn't get to meet her then. Okay, so it's kind of recent. It's like under a year. Yeah, I would say probably under a year, but possibly close to a year, because again, when I went in the summer, they already could have been together for like four months, for all I know. It sounds like both of you kind of minimize things. <laughs> <laughs> Where could I have gotten it from? <laughs> Are, um, are y'all going to dress up? Um, somewhat. I mean, I thought of wearing like a dress, but I was just like, I don't think I feel like it. But yeah, that's fair. Well, but yeah, it is. I mean, it's a fairly nice dinner. So I hope you have fun. Uh, I'm jealous that you and Vicky get to hang out. And <laughs> I can't wait to hear about it next week. Yeah, I bet I will have a lot to say. Yeah. Yay. And right. thank you as always for dealing with my all over the place-ness. Oh, God. I don't have it, too. Yeah. And we look forward to hearing from everybody else. Yes. Let us know how you're doing. Yeah. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.